skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Sam. Yeah. Um, what do you think our listeners should get themselves and their loved ones for Christmas? Um, I think that they should get them jewelry <laughs> and fine furs. <laughs> No, that's too expensive. Okay, yeah. Sorry. What are you, the Monopoly guy? <laughs> yes. Okay. Can you see my monocle <laughs> and my top hats? Okay, this is getting a little <laughs> out of focus. But what if they don't have a lot of money, but they love our podcast? Oh, they could subscribe to our Patreon on behalf of their loved one. Exactly. You can actually buy one extra episode a week of Just Break Up for your loved one or for yourself, really. Just for $5 a month. Why not both? Why is not my question. both? Who needs to do head and heart work? All, All of, of us. us. <laughs> so for just $5 a month, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash just break up pod for an extra episode every week. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like going slow, even when we're excited, dick pics, <laughs> drawing lines, and the wonderful and wild world of vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> you, <can't... laughs> you surprised me with that. I'm sorry. 
I feel like my intros are getting more elaborate every no, time. No, I totally. Uh, but before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know what we're talking about. We truly don't. We are not professionals. We're not trained in this. I've read like maybe two relationship <laughs> self-help books in my life, and that does not make you an expert. No, it really doesn't. Yeah. Um, but we are just here to offer our humble advice to hopefully, <laughs> to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding and mostly confusing experience that is love. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why I'm laughing so hard about this already is because, you know, you've heard us talk in the past about me like going off script because I forget what I have to say. But so t- today, Sam handed me a laminated <laughs> podcast script. <laughs> And even then, I, like, fumbled what I was supposed to say. It's fine. But listen, friends. That's it. <laughs> That's the Laminated Podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, the joys of being married to a teacher is that um, you just get, like, the opportunity to laminate things oh when God. you want to. It's so, like, it's so relaxing when I come over to your house across the street. <laughs> Across the street from my black dungeon home, um, to, to when I'm like watching TV with Peter and he's laminating things because it's so meditative. Yeah. And all I want to do is like touch them because I know they're warm after mm. they come out, you know? Yeah. What's great about it is it also smells like warm plastic, which then <laughs> permeates the whole apartment. <laughs> uh, it's like really Christmassy. Yeah, you know for what I sure. Mean? <laughs> um, my cat Todd also loves to watch the laminator. Work. Oh, I bet yeah. because it's like slow. Yeah, but like creeping. Yeah. Obviously, coming for him and his loved ones. Yes. Anyway, I feel like this is off to a really weird, <laughs> really wonderful start. Welcome to episode twenty-four. Twenty-five. Yeah. Twenty-four. I don't 24. know. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Says Big cats are producer. <laughs> amazing. It is amazing. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> um, so, yes, our check-in topic for today is... Yes, Sam. No, what is it? Oh, you, he pointed at me like he had something to say, but he was just being really... It's, it's because you've told me the check-in topic like three times, and I don't remember what yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, no, no. It's, he, did, he gave me a finger guns, but I thought it was like, hey, listen to me. Um, no. Okay, so the check-in topic today is um how the holidays can be a hard time for people in and out of relationships people who are single or people who are recently broken up with or just the fact that like the holidays signify um a special time for like coupleness mm-hmm. and they can even if you're a year or two years or five years out of a relationship they can be really sad to think about mm-hmm. because of that special time that you shared with someone once absolutely um so i just wanted to talk about that and maybe like since it is the holiday season to put some love out there in the world for our listeners who might be experiencing some of that holiday blueness. Absolutely. Did you ever experience that? I feel like I'm experiencing it this year. Like it just okay, doesn't you're feel married, like. married, so know, shut the fuck right? up. <laughs> uh, but it just doesn't feel like Christmas. Oh. Like it hasn't been, because I'm usually like a very Christmassy person. Yes, that but, is true. But something about this year, I don't know. It's just like. The, the feelings of warmth and happiness like haven't been oh my God. happening. Are you okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm fine. Uh, Do you live with a dementor? <laughs> I just think like maybe it's like Donald Trump like, yeah, being totally. our nation's dementor. Yeah. Or like, I don't know. It just seems like there's so much going on. You're so right. I like... don't mean to laugh at that. <laughs> I mean, I do love that um, Trump is our nation's dementor. But you're right that this year... It does feel harder, yeah. right? There's like a lot going on. Absolutely. Um, I think the hardest thing too is is 
when you've shared experiences with loved ones in the past and they're gone because everything's the same like the music is the same mm-hmm. on the radio mm-hmm. the the how fast december goes by if you celebrate christmas um you know it everything feels the same and it feels like it should be so sentimental and special and warm and when you don't feel that it feels like you're on an island and like everybody else is having a party without you right for sure yeah i mean i was even feeling that this year when i was like taking out the ornaments for the christmas tree yeah i was like oh this ornament was i got with this person and like oh we hung this on the tree this year and it was like it was weird to go back and be like even in a happy committed relationship to be like oh yeah things have changed and like it's just such a a reminder of those things because of like the actual like tangible. It's a marker. It's totally. It. Yeah. It's a marker of time that we don't have in other months. I think. Right. Um. Or in the same way. But you know what that makes me think of? Um. You watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> um. But I was thinking. Um. I I saw something on. You know how. Rue is doing like this Christmas mm-hmm. for people who don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Don't worry, I'll explain it in a second. <laughs> but Rue is doing like a Christmas drag race, yes, or yep. whatever. I'm sure Peter is watching it, yes. <laughs> um, but there was like a they interviewed all the queens on like how to get through the holidays with your family, uh-huh. and it was cute and kitschy and funny. And they all said they're like they're quippy little one liners. But I swear, ninety percent of them were like, just drink, drink a lot, drink before you leave. <laughs> Drink when you get home, yada, yada, which is funny, and it is a coping mechanism. It is. But I I sort of stopped, like, the mental health advocate in me was like, maybe we shouldn't glorify <laughs> alcoholism so much. Probably not. Um, and don't get me wrong, I, I love a Christmas cocktail, but maybe you and I can think of a list of ways people can combat the holiday loneliness, mm-hmm. right, um, that doesn't evolve booze. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think one of the things to remember is cheerful and stupid. Yeah. So, like, if you are going to be around people who are triggering for you or who are nitpickers or like to talk about passive aggressive things. Yeah, um, I definitely got asked if my grandmother this Thanksgiving uh-huh. said, um, quote, so do you just not want children? <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> I Oh, that's amazing. Your grandmother is who I want to be. No, 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 no. No, you don't. You want to be my other grandmother. Um, <laughs> like, do you just not want children? How bold, right? That's amazing. Oh my god. I just, I think I spit out whatever I was drinking. Um anyway, so those type of people in yes. front of them. So so perfect example. I was cheerful and stupid to said her, and I didn't say, fuck you, grandma. <laughs> I said no, of course I do. I just also have a lot of other great things in my life right now. Great. See? Cheerful, stupid. Perfect. Yeah. I was talking to my friend who just went on this epic Disney World vacation with like his whole family. Yeah. And it was pretty crazy. But yeah. he was like, cheerful and stupid is all I did. And it worked so well. Well, and then you're like, oh my God, in a way, and maybe not like in a petty way, but... In a real way, you're being a bigger person. Yeah. You're being positive. You They can't hold shit against you <laughs> when you're just like, you know, being positive and helpful and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from, by the way? I know we talked about it like 80 episodes ago. Uh, her name is Dr. Joy Brown, and she was a advice person. Um, she had a podcast for a long time, but oh, cool. she passed away a few years ago. Okay. Um, I think my advice... For the holidays is 
to uh, Sam and I talk a lot about taking stock about what you do have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm going to go even farther in that and say, take stock of what you have, the friendships you already have or, or the love or the family or whatever that you feel safe with and initiate something with them that would make a, a new special memory. Right. Mm. Like, so reach out to them and say, I'd really love to, um, I don't know, make Christmas ornaments with you, or I'd really love to celebrate X, Y, and Z tradition with you, or just, or, or put your foot forward into making plans with them. Mm-hmm. This time of year can be really busy. It can be really triggering. It can be really emotional. Um, and people aren't often going to think about like making plans with their friends so quickly. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and I just think that, Taking stock of what you have around you and and taking initiative and saying, like, I'd really like to spend some quality time with you um, around the holidays or something like that. I think that's great. Yeah. Like how I texted you and our other friend about having, like, a little holiday party and none of you fucking responded to me. <laughs> Calling you out on the air. What's good, Miley? <laughs> yes. Um, that did happen. So. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I will hold myself accountable for that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, any other tips or tricks yeah i mean i think um yeah just because like something happened in the past doesn't mean that it has to happen that way in this year too yeah right so you if you can start new traditions you can forget about painful memories you can sort of figure out what what you want the holidays to look like for you um and 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 like create that for yourself yeah i was gonna say you can hold space for like the ghosts of christmas past too Mm -hmm. meaning it Sometimes it is painful to not be with your ex on the holidays, even if they were a shitbag, you know, or it is painful to have to be with your family or not be with your family, depending like, yep, just hold space for that pain, recognize it, name it, honor it, you know, and then treat it well, like give yourself some extra love and grace. Absolutely. Um, the, The key, I think, is that. In this merry time, in this cheerful, quote unquote, season, it's important to recognize that you're not broken for mm-hmm. not being cheerful. Absolutely. And so hold, have, hold that space for the pain, you know, recognize it, name it, um, and, uh, and hopefully we'll get through this season together. Absolutely. Most important thing, what is cuffing season? <laughs> I don't know. So I have some young coworkers who talk to me about cuffing season all the time. They're like, hey, listen, like I, I have this awesome cuffing season playlist. And I'm like, I, I really don't understand what that yeah, is. I don't either. But I'm going to guess. I'm going to I'm going to like. Great. OK. So what I understand from the Internet <laughs> is like it's it's like when you start dating people so that you can be together around the holidays. OK. I think. Is that right, Big Cats? Okay. All right. Getting in in the middle. Okay. <laughs> so it's like that you like link up so you're not alone. <laughs> so that Isn't that just like humanity? Like the story <laughs> of everyone's life? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. Totally. You just link up so you're not alone? Yeah. 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 Um, if anybody wants to write in with a better definition of that, <laughs> definitely didn't know what it was though for a long time. Also, what is the playlist? Like, come here. I'm desperate. Like, what it, What would the cuffing season playlist be there was some good stuff on it i don't know it was a good playlist but i was like i don't understand why like what 
what about these songs make them cuffing songs? Because I don't understand what the word cuffing means. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think of suits. Yeah, right? Is it like... We're the, so old. Like, like cufflinks. <laughs> <laughs> or like... Or it, the, 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 like, the phonetic sound of the word makes me think it's like an action like when you kick some someone the bottom of someone's shoes you know what i mean when they're walking it just, it just sounds like a jerk thing to do it's not my favorite word that's for sure all right let's move along and stop aging ourselves <laughs> um someone please write us and let us know what cuffing season is and yeah. why it's called cuffing season that's really my thing yeah yeah we english majors we want to know the linguistic um what etymology is thank you yeah. i was like entomology <laughs> <laughs> How many times have I mispronounced words here? So many, but okay. it's great. I love it. Let's get into the letters. The first one is from Hannah McNamee from Minneapolis. Woo woo. All right. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I recently started seeing someone, but it's going so slow at his request. He's a Libra and I'm an Aries. TVH, this is probably a good thing. I'm notoriously for rushing into relationships and realizing that I'm not into them after a month or two of dating. And I've never truly taken it slow with someone. But it's excruciating. As Carly Rae Jepsen sings... Love her. I want to cut to the feeling. I just want to be in love already. I want to give him and me a chance, but my anxiety is on full blast. How do I relax and let this relationship play out? XOXO, love you both so much. Oh, my God. Carly Rae. (laughs) It's a great song. Yeah, totally great. Hannah, thanks for writing. Um, Hope you are staying warm in this very cold Minneapolis winter. Uh, So the question is about taking it slow. Sam, do you take things slow? I love to take things slow in relationships. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> what do you like about it? Um, you know, I'm just a pretty independent person and I like being able to like you know, bring someone into that in a way that makes me feel comfortable. Yeah. Vulnerability is something that is difficult for me, so like going slow is sort of how I have to do it. So maybe that's what he needs is this guy. I mean, maybe he's experiencing vulnerability at his own pace yeah absolutely um but what about somebody like me (laughs) who just wants to have the most intense conversations with everyone immediately yeah how do you deal with that um i just think i this this might sound pretentious but it's not i think it's just true i think i function on a different like frequency of emotional vulnerability Mm mm-hmm at all times, like maybe because of my poetry career and like, yeah, I mean, it's your job to do yeah, that. My job is to like cry, <laughs> essentially <laughs> on command and also yeah. make others cry. Yep. Um. <laughs> so for me, it's like surface level taking it slow sometimes feels like, well, what are we doing? Like, I want to know you mm. so that I can choose to leave you <laughs> in a couple months. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I do think there's something said, something said about something to be said about taking it slow. Yeah. Um, but let's define slow. Like, like let's say what is healthy slow and what's unhealthy slow. Right. Healthy slow. Um, not calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend or girlfriend and girlfriend or boyfriend or boyfriend or whatever you want right away. Mm-hmm. Like taking your time to like earn that place in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. Unhealthy slow. Um, keeping your name in his phone under a different name. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, healthy, healthy slow is like 
spending like maybe one night a week together or like a couple nights a week together. Unhealthy slow is like you see each other like every three weeks and he doesn't text you in between. Right. Right. Healthy slow (laughs) is um, introducing him to your friends after hanging out for a handful of weeks or more. Mm -hmm. Unhealthy slow, not knowing any of his friends. (laughs) Right? Right. I think what we're trying to get at (laughs) is that there's like a difference between taking it slow and trying to get to know someone and like, you know, keeping a little bit of guard up around your your beautiful soft heart. Yeah. And being a dismissive attachment style. Yeah. Um <laughs> Sam, tell me about how you and Peter started dating. Like the the pacing like like you know what I mean? Not the full, they don't need to know it all. <laughs> Sam like didn't speak to Peter for like 6 months. <laughs> it's fine. We went on one date and then we didn't go on a second date for 6 months. Yeah. Well, that's how slow Sam likes to take it. <laughs> But hey, they got married, so Peter was playing the long game. He was so successful in that. Yeah. Um, But, you know, just like the idea of um, when did you guys start uh, staying over more, Mm -hmm. or when did you say, I love you, or meet the parents or friends or whatever? Um, Yeah. Whatever you want to share of that. You know, I think for a long time, uh, like Peter and I saw each other like a few times a week with other people. Like, in groups of friends, because we yeah. have very similar friend groups. Um, and then, like, we would hang out one-on-one, like, once a week for a pretty significant amount of time. Um, and that would involve, like, hanging out and then, like, maybe spending the night. And then, um, you know, I think we started, we called each other boyfriends within, like, three or four months. Oh, my God. That but, took a long time, though. Yeah. I think that's pretty slow. Yeah, it is. But, like, I'm the I'm the king. I'm going slow. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I'm just saying that, like, I have had also had multiple relationships where I have gone really fast and spent, like, The first every 11 night, days together, yeah. Yeah, and where you, like, are just, like, together all the time. And then it, of course, like, immediately fizzles out because you're sort of, like, I just need space well, to breathe. it's not sustainable, yeah. <clears throat> and then, so I was, at that point in my life, trying really intentionally to, like, take things at an even Yeah, I also think what we should add for backstory that, like, I know is you, the last big relationship you had was with a trash bag of a man, Uh him, and you didn't date super seriously after that for a long time. So you were, I mean, that was after your, Sam had, like, a beautiful renaissance of self (laughs) where he (laughs) was living alone and cooking for himself and, like, and you really learned how to be alone in between that last terrible relationship and peter yeah so it was you were clinging to that independence really not clinging that's a bad word but you know you were protective of it yes and then i had a boyfriend between him and peter yeah who broke up with me because i was too because i wasn't showing enough interest and affection so (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry to laugh at you so there's a lot of learning in both ways that happened before i met peter which like led me to Taking things at the exact right pace for both of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably good for, I think it earned a lot of trust and stability for you guys, for your yes. two personality types. Yeah. yeah. Um, But let's talk about maybe what some healthy boundaries could be for Hannah. I get it, Hannah. It does, like, if your anxiety is on full blast and you just want to be in love and you just want to feel this, I get that. But 
that's your that's your anxiety or your body telling you you're not good enough as is right now in this moment. Yep. Right. And that might sound cliche, but it's true. Your anxiety is like, <gasps> I need something else. Yep. I'm freaking out. I need I need this to feel like something or whatever. And and I, I'm sure you have a wonderful um, relationship with yourself and self love. But it, it's true. Like if your if your anxiety is freaking out right now, it's because you can't say stay still in this moment mm-hmm. and yep. accept things as they are, which is difficult because right now they're uncertain, they're unclear oh, because absolutely. you're moving slowly, because things might be up in the air. Yep. So so maybe my first piece of advice about moving slow or like finding a good pace for yourself would be. Um, check in with that anxiety and, and figure out what your, um, the lines, your parameters are, meaning be like, okay, I know I'm okay right now. I'm, I know I'm okay if we're not officially boyfriend and girlfriend for the next month or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I would like to see him once or twice a week at minimum. And maybe that's your line, right? Because Mm -hmm. for me, um, Hannah, I'm way more attached than Sam is. I move way faster than Sam. And if I was seeing somebody and I only got to see them once a week, I would quickly move on. <laughs> and I and that sounds shitty, but like I'm a busy person, and so when I want to be with someone or want I want to get to know them, I I like to include them in my day to day life. Like, mm-hmm. hey, do you want to go to the grocery store with me? You know, do, can I cook you dinner? Let's watch this movie. Let's do whatever together. Um, like that's that is important to me, and that type of intimacy is important to me. And I may move faster than I should in that in that respect, um, or historically. But I guess figure out what you need, what you think is reasonable, um, but while respecting his pace at mm-hmm. the same time. So yep. say like, hey, can we? Do you think that we could stay over at each other's places twice a week? Does yep. that sound good to you? Or or figure out what you what feels like a balance of um, deconstructing your anxiety and validating your needs. Mm-hmm. Any other advice? I mean, yeah. And I think also just recognize, um, well, I think there's two things here. One is that um, thinking about attachment styles is also super important here. And it sounds to me, just based off this letter, and I could be totally wrong, so like, if I'm totally wrong, stop listening to me. But it seems like you probably have an, an anxious attachment style. Yeah. Um, and so finding the time to like sit with that and understand what that means for how, for for how you attach to people, I think is important for all of us to do, regardless of what our attachment style is. Because right. mine for a very long time was dismissive and like that wasn't healthy either. Right. Um, but secondly, also just recognizing that like people are different. And so your your pace of change will be different. Your pace of attachment will be different. Like you're like you want to include people in your everyday life where you're like. Oh, grocery let's go to the grocery shopping. store. Yeah. And like, and I'm like, no, that's me time. That's right. when I like do things to like take care of myself. Us time right. is like intentional. Yeah. And I'm, I'm focused on you. I'm not focused on other things. Like if we go, go on a tangent a little, I think that's what I needed when I was younger, mm-hmm. which was that I was, I never felt good enough to have that me time mm-hmm. be intentional. It was yeah. always, I always supplemented my, my quote unquote me time with other people. Yeah. And that was the struggle of my whole life. That's why I got into half of these shithole relationships in the first place, you know. Um, and yeah, so maybe that is informative, Hannah. And also, uh, Sam brought up attachment styles. If anybody out there um, didn't hear the episode in which we talk about them, just Google them. They're a really great way to uh, learn more about yourself and the way you interact in relationships. Mm-hmm. I think the last thing I want to say, too, is like 
when I was imagining Hannah having this conversation with this future boyfriend or potential boyfriend or whatever to say like, hey, um, can we do this? Um, like, like, are you okay if we stay over three nights a week or two nights a week or whatever? Um, it almost made me nervous for her mm-hmm. because I just don't think we're trained to communicate so transparently in relationships. We're, mm-hmm. We are trained by society and TV and movies to play the coy game mm-hmm. and culture, really, like our the our peers around us to be coy, not not coy necessarily all the time, but like not to be tr- forward with what we want or what we expect. And like yeah. and for women, too, it's like we don't want to look desperate or crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the last little tangent I want to say is like, I think that's what you and I are trying to combat is we're trying to shift the culture to where dating and romantic relationships, because they're so intimate and so vulnerable and we risk so much hurting, we we risk a lot of hurt, Mm -hmm. you know, getting into these romantic contracts with people. Um, We should start them out with a lot more transparency and communication and um, yeah, a little trail off there. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah, I hope this gives you some insight. Um, Basically, we're saying do what feels good to you, honor your needs, but keep in mind, taking things slow, leave space for you to grow a relationship with yourself, not just with him. Yep. We love you, Hannah. Thanks for writing. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame 
and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Our next letter is from Rachel S., who is writing from deep in the heart of Texas. Ooh. Yeah. I'm an older listener, I think. I'm a divorced mom of three in my late 30s. Some of your advice in previous podcasts feels a bit removed from me, but I value all opinions and life experiences, so I'm curious to hear how you'd advise my situation. I've been seeing a man long distance for almost a year, 1,500 miles long distance. We talk and FaceTime all day, every day, and spend five days together every three weeks. We have uh, an end date to both be local that's less than a year away. Life plans are starting to be made, resumes for job changes, custody arrangements for kid relocation, serious adult stuff, home purchases, and home sales. And I'm excited, thrilled even. My life has so much promise and hope with this man. That is, until some random woman contacted me with screenshots of texts exchanged between her and him. Dick pics, guys. Dick pics. (laughs) I'm 38. He's 48. Aren't we too old for this crap? Anyway, my world crumbled. He cried, said he was ashamed, opened his confessional up, and told me he has six women that he has 90% friendships with, but also 10% inappropriate drunk text exchanges. Nothing emotional, no real-life stuff, but he gets a real high from getting naked pics and sexy talk and a huge ego boost. (laughs) And he realizes it's wrong and a betrayal to me, but he was not able to detach to continue these once-a-month distractions, especially on the weeks I'm not there. And he undervalued me and how much I meant to him. That last bit really hurt. But almost losing him has shown him the way. So together we developed steps to take to see if he could get over this. First was him sending messages to each of the women stating all communication would immediately stop. And why? Because he's in a relationship with me and is trying to be better. Then he removed them from his social media. When he's drinking or sober and feels this need, he contacts me and we talk it out. It feels very mature and after two months appears to be working. Except, I don't know, I'm a nutcase. Do I want to relocate myself and my children to a man who would do this? Is this behavior that can stop? Am I naive believing him? 
I was previously married to 15, for 15 years to a verbally and physically abusive man. He did everything but cheat. And I did a lot of work to get over that abuse and find my value again. I am worried that I'm training one pain for the other. Mm. And perhaps this is indicative that I'm not seeing my worth. Help an old lady out, you guys. What do you think? First of all, you're not old. No. I understand why you say that, though. <laughs> <laughs> you do get a lot of letters from people who are. But not as many as people think. True. As you think, even. I, I think about, like, our demographics um, on Instagram and stuff. Oh. We fall like 25 to 35. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, Rachel, um, love that you wrote in. Um, love this letter. Don't like this situation, but definitely think that we can speak to it. Um, and most of all, I'm just glad that you reached out. Um, I think a lot of like uh, healing or or let me rephrase. I think that it's really great that you're creating a space for yourself to still reflect on this, mm-hmm. even though he's made the, the moves to you know make this right or or move on or whatever you can hold on to this space as long as you want i think is what i'm saying yep but um so i think i wanted to start by saying uh you're right it the steps that he and you took to get over this do sound mature and like good steps and Mm -hmm. um like things that adults do in adult relationships when adults fuck up, right? Yep. And and I and I know that it is possible to get over things like this. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're doing the right things. My only question in regard to that is did you see the messages? Mm. Um I think you did because I, if I was in this situation I would want to see those messages mm-hmm. sent, I mean to those to those yep. women. Yep. But um the while these are good steps, it it takes a long time to heal over some sort of uh, hurt the the type of hurt like this because I think why this type of betrayal is particularly hard is that you're going in one direction and you think that all of your energy is going in one direction and then you get like sideswiped yeah for sure and the other person wasn't doing what they were saying yeah. and that betrayal is just so painful I mean I think about mm. the times in which I was cheated on or I was left. When I was thinking about when I was like, okay, we're going to make this work. We're going to make this work. And my partner was like, yep, we're going to make this work. And then they were like, bye. (laughs) And I was like, that, my friend, was very confusing. (laughs) Let's talk about mixed messages. (laughs) Talk about emotional fucking labor. Let me tell you that. Um, Anyway, Rachel, so uh, just just here to say to validate that type of betrayal Mm -hmm. and how... um, how it can really upend your sense of reality or or, or your sense of knowns, Absolutely. I guess. And adding to that, I would say that um, there is a lot of emotional hurt that comes with this type of betrayal. And I think sometimes when our partners do wrong, they try to fix they try to fix it right mm-hmm. without creating enough space for you to feel that hurt and for them to understand their accountability in that hurt. So true. And so. I love that he's like, I'm ready to take steps to stop doing this and make sure I don't hurt you again. But my question for you is, has he taken enough of the time and culpability to give you the space to grieve and be mad and be sad and and understand his role right. in that? Right. And, and convince you that he knows his role in that. Right. Because Just because the, he's taken these steps. Right. Because that's where actual like change happens is when you are you hold yourself accountable for the wrong things that you did and not just accountable to prevent future wrongdoing. Yes. So true. So well articulated, Sam. 50 points to your yes. Harry Potter house, Slytherin. 
<laughs> Slytherin door. <laughs> that's art. It's not that's I know. <laughs> it's a combination of our houses. <laughs> Got it. Um, okay. Anyway, um, yeah, and I think I, moving, like going off of that idea of holding space for your hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that because of the level of seriousness your relationship is at, meaning like you're thinking about buying a house together, you're relocating your family, yada, yada. Yep. You're in it, right? You're in this relationship, Rachel. But um, make sure not to make an identity of this hurt and sl- slash healing. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is... I think when we are fixing relationships or healing from romantic hurt with partners, a lot of that pain can feel purposeful. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like you can be like, oh, we can have a hundred really difficult conversations where we're like, okay, this is towards the greater good. This is for us to heal from this. And and a lot of those conversations are really important. A lot of what you're going to do in the upcoming months and what you've already done is so crucial to your healing and for his growth. Yep. But the one thing that I want to say that might be a little bit hard to articulate is just don't get stuck in that realm. Yep. Don't get stuck. If you can't get over this hurt, that's not on you. Mm-hmm. Like don't make an identity of this healing. Mm-hmm. Happiness needs to be the goal. And 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 I'm saying that not even sure if you should be with this guy or not. I'm saying just in general, um, happiness should be the goal of the end of this healing. So just don't, don't get stuck in this hurt or healing Absolutely. cycle. Does that make sense? No, it does. Because if, if every conversation you have with your loved one is about um, fixing the relationship, totally. right? That's not that's not a relationship. I was in a relationship like that that lasted a year. Like, right. it was, there was an infidelity and then we were together for a whole other year and the whole time it was like every other conversation was about us trying to get back to the good, get back to the good, get back to the good and holding on to the idea of that good. And going back to that well metaphor, I was just digging that well, convinced I could get that water. And I just didn't want to climb out of the well and be single because Mm -hmm. then all of that work would have gone away. Um, But I just spent a whole year of my life trying to like that, that relationship was, a constant fixer-upper. And that's not a good fucking right. house to live in, you Absolutely. know? Yeah. Yeah, you need... I mean, you need a house that doesn't need constant maintenance. At some point, you have to live in the house. So, right. like, if something happens where the the roof, it gets a hole in it, right? You can patch it. But if you're constantly doing that patching, it's not going to be a place where you actually want to spend your time. Yeah. So, Rachel, I think Sam and I ultimately want to say um, we don't really know what the right decision is here. Mm-hmm. We want you to go with your gut. Yep. Um, but Sam wants to know what your contingency plan is. Yes. So that's, I mean, so if you're planning on continuing the, with this timeline, right, what is your contingency plan if it, if this behavior doesn't stop, right? And un- that's like sort of an unfortunate reality of mm-hmm. the situation that you're in. And also, I just think relationships in general, right? If if there's a betrayal of trust, um, you need to have sort of what is the what is the backup plan if all of this goes wrong, and it doesn't have to be super in depth, right. and it doesn't have to be something that you talk about with other people, but just in the back of your mind, say like, so if I move out there and we break up within a month, like 
what do I do? Right. Who do I talk to? What do I like? What are ways that I can make new friends? Can I move back? Can I get my job back? Just like sort of think through some of the ways that you can make sure that you're not put in a situation where you feel you have to stay because you have given up so much already. Right. Yeah. And that's not living in fear or like anticipating heartbreak. No. Um, that's just making sure that you and your family will be provided for yep. whatever happens. Um, but and I also want to say I do think people fuck up. You wrote like he's 48. Like, isn't he too old for this? Like, absolutely. <laughs> he is way too old for this. But at the same time, he's not too old for healing. Mm. And the type of behavior that you described to me is obviously one in which there is um, a lack of that excitement or not excitement, but like, uh, you know, validation that you get from, quote unquote, doing something, quote unquote, naughty. You know what I mean? Like there is there's something missing there that he is filling in ways that are not healthy to the life that he's trying to sustain, Mm -hmm. right? So do I think that he can um, never do this to you again? Yes. Do I think that he needs more help than you? Yes. You can't be his accountability all the time. That's too much on your shoulders. Your job is to be loved by him and to love him. Your job is not to be his accountability buddy. Yep. Um, So maybe look for, like, I mean, is he in therapy? Is he talking to somebody? Is there somebody that you know he's close to that can be his accountability buddy? I know that's really vulnerable, but the more sustainable thing is to slowly shift you out of that role because it can't always be this, oh, I'm hurting. I I want this. I want to text my friends or like I want to send my dick pic out somewhere. And then you tell him like, oh, thank you for telling me you want to send your dick pic out. Like that, that I understand that those conversations are probably be much more mature yep. and, you know, artfully said. But I under, I also think that there must be some pain involved in it, sure. you know, for you. So I, I just don't think that long term you can be his accountability buddy. Nope. Um, and more importantly, too, like he. Keep in mind, like he did this, he changed the parameters of your relationship. He altered the timeline. Yep. So. Don't rush anything. Don't you had this year timeline beforehand. You don't need to stick to that. Yep. It's it's not your fault that he veered off of this plan that you guys were forming together. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you need to put that move on hold for a while, I think that that's a totally legitimate response to the fact that you thought that you were on a path together and he was on a different one. Right. So the path is not. It's not your shared path anymore. Right. Um, And so you can define the parameters of what the new trajectory looks like. And it doesn't you don't have to be beholden to the decisions that you made in the past. Right. And maybe the last thing I want to say, Rachel, is I I really appreciated that you shared um, with us about your past relationship uh, Mm -hmm. that was verbally and physically abusive. And it makes sense. Now that you're not comparing the two, but you're thinking, am I accepting this because of my history? Yeah. And I want to say I can't answer that for you, mm-hmm. first of all. Um, but I want to I want to see you and I want to validate that experience and to validate how confusing abuse can make future love, like mm-hmm. how hard it was for me to get into a relationship with a stable person after my abuser because it made me so unsure of what was real or not real. Mm -hmm. So I just want to validate that experience. Um, 
and also maybe say <laughs> there is a world in which this guy that you're with now is a great guy and he can grow from this yeah. and there is a world in which he might do this to you again Sam and I, two strangers across the country, we can see you and validate your heart, but we we can't know that because we don't know him and we don't know what boundaries you've set up in your heart. Um, But I just kind of want to like put our metaphorical hand out there and say that's hard and really challenging to question what you think, what you know is right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's one of the worst intangible scars that abuse leaves on us like our sense of self our sense of judgment it it strips us of that and um you too have a right to seek counsel in someone else in a therapist or a friend or a family member and i think a lot like infidelity when somebody or whenever somebody hurts us or abuses us it we often are so um, left in the dark because we feel so ashamed. Like, because yeah. we don't want to tell our friends that he cheated. We don't want to tell our friends that he hit us or whatever right. because we're afraid of what they'll say. Yep. But just this is me just being gently nudging you into the light and making sure that you have people who support you in the deep heart of Texas um, who are who are looking out for you and what Rachel needs. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, if he if you decide to move um, and be with him and he does this again, I also just want to say to you that it's not your fault Yep. for trusting him. Yep. It's his fault for doing the bad thing. Oh, my God. That is so real. Talking about that shitty relationship that I was in forever. I had a huge transformative moment where I realized it's not a bad thing that I'm forgiving. No. It's a bad thing that he was a bad person. Yeah. You know, I, I like just felt so shitty for so long being with him or ashamed of it, you know, being with him and forgiving him. And then I was like, wait a minute. I like that part of me. Mm-hmm. It's it's his actions that make that that poison it. Absolutely. And so we don't know if he's going to do this again. And frankly, you're never going to know right. if he does this again. Um, but if you go with your gut and you um, you you make this decision from a place that is authentically you, then you've you will have done nothing wrong. Right. And and anything that happens after that is is outside of your control. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing, Rachel. We love you. We love you. All right, up next we have a letter from Lily B, who is writing to us from a private location. Okay. The void. The void. Got it. <laughs> um, I'm going to paraphrase this, the beginning of this letter because it's a little bit long, but it's full of juicy, dramatic details, and I love it. Oh, my God. That's my favorite. I know. I love a good juicy one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Lily writes that um, they met. she met a guy in Berlin when she was traveling abroad when she was 23. I'm going to paraphrase, so it's going to be a little choppy at first. So they instantly clicked, and then she went back to the U.S., and they dated long distance for like six months before they saw each other. Was he also still in Berlin? Yes. Okay. Long distance. I don't know where he was, but he was somewhere. Got it. Okay. And um, so they dated long distance, and Lily shares that they they had ups and downs and their fair share of drama in the first six months. They got to see each other. Um, for a couple weeks and things were awesome. And then she goes back to the States for another eight months and they don't see each other that whole time. Wow. And it is, again, drama, ups and downs, you know, yada, 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 jealousy, uncertainty. Um, and so at one point they decide to take a trip together to Spain. Okay. And about a month before the trip to Spain in that eight month period, 
um, he's basically like, I can't do this. I want to break up with you. Oh. Okay. But because the breakup is somewhat civil, uh-huh. they keep talking and they decide to go on the trip together. <laughs> <laughs> Which is understandable. Absolutely. I I lived with my ex for two years. Yeah, like, I know. I understand how people make these types of decisions. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. But that's where we're going to um, pick up. Fast forward to our trip. It was amazing, and we're having the time of our lives. It felt like we were a couple again, and one night he tells me while we were drunk that he knows that we're not right for each other, and he cares a lot about me and knows that I love him so much, but this relationship cannot work. It hurt to hear those words out loud, but I knew deep down that he was right. We never spoke about it again, and weeks later we were back in Berlin, and he introduces me to his friends as his, girl, as his girlfriend multiple times. Hmm. Confusing, right? Yep. They're sleep. She said, we're sleeping together each night, spending every minute together. I would tell him I loved him, and he would tell it to me back. I felt that things were okay, and I was lucky to be loved and be, uh, to, to be in love and loved by this guy. On the morning of my departure, I noticed a missed FaceTime call from a girl on his phone. I went to his texts, and he'd been texting a girl who I expressed suspicions about in the past. Their most recent conversation was from the night before, and in these messages, he was convincing her that I was not his girlfriend and telling her she had no idea what it's like to deal with someone, quote, or someone, parentheses, me, who was, quote, suicidal and mentally unstable. He also asked her to make him a new Tinder account because he couldn't since I was there. Which is confusing, timing out from the letter for a second, because isn't he trying to get with this girl, but he wants a new Tinder account? Yeah. Okay, moving on. When I read these messages, my heart dropped, and I was so hurt. I told him that I saw the messages, and he became so furious to the point where he was telling me to shut the fuck up while I was crying and blame me for the entire thing. At one point, he told me he hated me, and he wanted my plane to—he hoped that my plane— would crash. Oh my God. It was the last thing I needed to hear before my journey back home. On the way to the airport, he refused to talk to me or make things right. He continued to say mean things and I continued to cry. Even at the boarding gate, he refused to look at me and our goodbye was terrible. I got on my flight and we texted right before takeoff when he continued to say mean things and also to inform me that throughout this entire trip, we had not been in a relationship and he had made it very clear that we were not. It hurt so much and shocked me because the entire time I thought I was his girlfriend because his actions had said so. But according to him, he wasn't trying to hurt me, and I was being delusional. After my long flight, I received lots of texts from him where he apologized profusely mm. for the things he said to me before I left and how he acted. He said he deeply, he was deeply ashamed of his behavior and can't explain what came over him, and he wishes that he could redo everything. I spoke to him that same night and the following morning, and he continued to apologize and express his regrets, but also told me he still doesn't want a relationship and wants— what is best for me and for us to be happy. The last thing I said to him was that I can't have him in my life anymore. My plan is to not speak for him, speak to him for as long as I can or until I heal and feel less depressed, but it's difficult for me to go out, go without contacting someone I shouldn't contact. I always give in. I know the right thing for me to do is to move on because I deserve someone who is kind and who wouldn't do shitty things to me, but I really love the guy, and for the past year, we've talked almost every day, and since I spent the past month with him, I still feel very attached. What makes this even more difficult is that I'm moving to Berlin for work in a few months, so I'm afraid of how things will play out. I'm trying not to romanticize the situation, and how could you romanticize this situation, sweetie? Hold on. I'll get back to that in a second. Love you. And I'm trying to believe that one day he'll come back to me when he realizes that I was a good girlfriend and he's ready to mature, change, and be in a relationship. But I know that this is the reality 
um, I know the reality of this is that he's going to get over me and hook up with a bunch of girls and I'm still going to be in love with someone who doesn't want me. Do you have any words of advice, encouragement, uh, or encouragement on getting through this? Or how do I feel less suppressed about this situation? My heart is literally broken and I feel so terrible and hurt that someone could just throw me away yet again and treat me this way. Even when guys hurt me, I still love them even when it's toxic. It's so hard to separate what my heart wants and what's healthy and right for me. Please help with five Ps. Oh, my sweetie, I love you. I didn't mean to yell at you in the middle of the letter. <laughs> we will, um, I'll make amends for that right now. Absolutely. <laughs> but let me, let's talk about the glaring drama, first of all. Yeah. Um, this guy. is a dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Totally. I mean, I don't. I don't even know where to begin with all of the dickish behavior that's also completely unacceptable. Right. Totally. But yes, I totally agree. No but there. Um, additionally, comma, <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe this is a uh, what's like a warning story. What is it called? A warning shot. No, no. Oh, uh, God. This is going to be one of those times on the podcast where I try to say something. <laughs> no, uh, kind of like a parable, like a. A warning. Oh, my God. Cautionary tale? Yes, a cautionary <laughs> tale. Oh, my God. I was really afraid for a second that would go on for another three minutes. We got it. We got it. Maybe this can be a cautionary tale. And, Lily, I'm not making light of this situation, but it's true. Like, I think in breakups, we just want things to be okay. Mm. We we just want things to um, go as planned, even though, like, our world is upside down. So it makes a lot of sense that you and this guy went on that trip together. Yeah, for sure. It, it makes so much sense, right? Especially since you thought it would be okay, yada, yada. But maybe this can be a cautionary tale that in breakups, the harder thing to do is often the better thing to do mm -hmm. for your own heart and your own healing to give yourself that true space that you needed originally. Again, plane tickets, trips planned, like money already spent. I, it convolutes everything. Absolutely. Um, but I would have totally done the same thing, Lily. I would have, um, like, somebody could meet me at the altar and be like, uh, I want to break up. And I'd be like, okay, but we're still going to get married, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm a diehard, I'm a stickler for the plan, you know? Love it. But, um, so, other than wishing this whole trip didn't happen. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think for her? Um, so I'm going to say something and I think it might sound harsher than I wanted to, but we accept the love that we think that we deserve. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, just from your letter, you know, talking about how difficult it is for you to cut people off and how you always go back to the people who have hurt you. Um, I want to say to you in sort of a really direct way as like a sort of wake up call is that like that's because you think that that's the love that you deserve and I'm telling you right now that you absolutely do not deserve that love you don't deserve people who are uh, abusive to you who right. blow up at you and scream at you and then apologize to you afterwards and say I don't know what came over me that wasn't me like yeah. you don't deserve that you don't deserve him lying up to you about whether or not you're in a relationship yeah you deserve a person that treats you in a way that you want to be treated and that commits to yes. working with you to make the best relationship that the both of you can make together. Let's talk for a second about the fact that an apology 
doesn't nullify anything. Oh, no. I think that psychopaths out there are like, oh, my God, I keyed your car, <laughs> had sex with your best friend, and then, like, lit your grandma on fire. I'm really sorry, though. I don't know what came over me. Right. And then if you're mad at them, they're like, well, I apologize. Right, right, right. I'm what else do you remorse. want from me? Right, 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 right. Um, Lily, I think the reason why we picked this letter is because of a personal connection for both of us. Sam and I, historically, and more me than Sam, I'll take accountability for that, <laughs> have ha- have historically had a hard time drawing lines um, for our own wellness. Yeah. Meaning, like, where 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 was our cutoff? Like, when would we leave someone? Mm-hmm. You know, what would we endure before we said, nope, I don't deserve this. Yep. And um, historically, I have had a really hard time drawing that line. Mm-hmm. I... And I'm not a saint. And I think that a lot of it was like like self-induced harm. You know yep. what I mean? Like I, I had my own accountability in a lot of these relationships. Yep. But my worst relationships, I true looking back on them, I don't know why I didn't say so many moments in the relationship. I don't know why I didn't say nope. You can't do that to me. Nope, you can't treat me like that. You can't say that to me. I'm not coming back. For sure. Like, why? And so I want to take a moment with you, Sam, and just talk about, like, why it's hard for people to draw lines romantically and to and to say, I don't deserve that. Like, yep. I think if a stranger came up and slapped me across the face, I'd be like, oh, I don't deserve that. But my <laughs> lover, my partner, the person that I'm committed to yeah. can literally treat me like trash. And I'll and I, I can't say that to them in the same way. Yep. And that's my I, I'm sure there's people listening that are like, you crazy girl. But no, and I think it's I think it's real. And like when I talk about the love that we think we deserve, it's like it's like two sides of a coin, which is one is that when the person is like looking at you and engaging with you, you are getting the validation that you like that yeah. that I couldn't give myself. Right. Totally. I was getting that validation from this person who was like, frankly, mean to me. So right. it was like, oh, finally, finally, I've won them over. And finally, I am deserving of the attention that I that I that I'm seeking because I can't like give myself my own self-worth. Right. And then the other side of it is like. And then when they're mean, it's like, well, I deserve that because, like, I'm not good enough. Right? right. So, like, it's it's like this toxic coin that has these two awful sides that just fit together so perfectly that keep us from saying, like, wait a minute. No, I don't. I don't deserve this. I can right. have the validation of good, true love right. without this other, like, pain Obstacle that course, right, yeah. that I think that I deserve in order to get to that good, true love. Totally. And it's like... We gotta break that mindset and and find a way to to love and value ourselves enough to say like no I deserve this without having to go through this shit right totally and I think too I want to talk about that was so perfectly articulated that I'm not even gonna add to it <laughs> I except for this <laughs> um, but a different topic like let's talk a little bit about effort put into or mm-hmm. time put in yep. and so many relationships we so many letters talk about this and in our own relationships. We've talked about like, well, we've been together for a year. We've been together for six years. We've been together for 12 years, but I'm Mm -hmm. so unhappy and he treats me awful or she treats me terribly. Right. And so let's speak a little bit about the idea of 
our own personal boundaries weighted against time and effort, you know, mm-hmm. because Lily was with this guy for a year. So she feels like, you know, invested, you know, yep. Yep. and me too. I've, I've felt invested in people like, oh, my God, if I leave you, then all that pain, all that shit, all that garbage we went through and the forgiveness I gave you yeah. would be for nothing. For sure. I think that's a super legit oh, it's and so valid hard. It's so hard. Yeah. And it's it's really... It's really difficult to not see it that way. Right. But there are opportunities for us to reframe and say that that wasn't for nothing because you learned experience. You learned from that experience. Right. You took it as a cautionary tale. Right. You learned where your limits are. You learned that people who are nice to you sometimes are also mean to you sometimes. Right. And that you can't just trust that the nice is going to outweigh the, the mean at some point. Right? right. There are things that we take out of relationships that in some way can hurt us, but often if we are able to do the head and heart work can lead us to something better. Even if they scream at you or they don't look at you at the airport when you are leaving for eight months or whatever. Right. And Lily, I think I want to like talk about too that head and heart work. For me, a lot of the time it's just sitting with the fact that things went wrong, Mm -hmm. that you don't need to fix it. Yep. You don't need to make it right. You don't need to speak to him. He doesn't need to apologize. You don't need to make yourself worthy enough for him to love you. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need there's nothing you need to prove here cuz he was a shitbag. Yes. Period. <laughs> period. No, period. That's it. Like there's not there's I think that's what's really hard in breakups mm-hmm. is that we just want to make things right or we want to make them make sense or we yep. want to make we want to prove a point. You know, we want to be like, look at me. I'm so lovable. Love me again. Yep. But the the real question, Lily, I have for you is, do you want somebody who speaks to you like that? Mm. And do you want to be with someone at 23 years old across the country with someone? Yep. Like, what are you, what space is this guy taking up in your life that you could fill with so many other awesome things right now? Oh, for sure. Like friends and other lovers and, uh, Whatever the hell you want right now, you know, like the world is your oyster and this guy shouldn't be the on the pedestal that you're putting him on. And it sounds like, you know, that but there's real head and heart work that has to go into deconstructing that. Yep. Um, And I think it is about the first step for me would be saying, "Okay, this is never going to make sense. Mm -hmm. I I think I remember saying that to you in my last big breakup, just being like. I want so badly for this pain to make sense or it to feel resolved. Yep. And I think you were like, it's just never going to be that. It's never going to be resolved. Yep. And then that shifts everything so that it's on me to say, okay, I have to walk through this world with that unresolved feeling in me. And guess what, Lily, that sucks for a while, but it goes away a little bit every day. Absolutely. And then you have revelations with your friends or loved ones like that you weren't happy in the first place. Yep. Because it sounds like you weren't. It sounds like he kept you at a distance, at least a little. And don't get me wrong. We are so multifaceted. I'm sure you guys had a great time. Absolutely. And but and I'm sure that you did have a great time. And what I want to say to you is that you deserve those great times. Yes. They do not have to come with the bad times. Yeah. Right. They will come with work for sure. Relationships are not easy things to be in, but it you deserve the the good feeling that you had when you when he was calling you his girlfriend and when you were together 
and you deserve it with someone who won't also treat you like shit. Yeah, who won't make you work for it so hard. Absolutely. Lily, we hope this helps. We Good love luck letter. in Berlin. Yeah. Don't see that motherfucker. Just block, block, <laughs> block, block, block. Fala la 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 block. <laughs> Mary had a little block. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. That's also not a Christmas carol. No, it's, it's not. Mary, Mary had, had a little, little block. It's definitely <laughs> not a Christmas carol. Well, I was gonna. I was like, oh, we're gonna riff on Christmas carols, yeah, yeah, and then you threw that out, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh god. It's fine. Uh... Our last letter comes from El, uh, who is writing from North Dakota. I gotta get serious. <laughs> I know this letter is serious. Mary had a little block. All right. Go ahead. Our last letter is from E.L., who is writing from North Dakota. I recently found this podcast in a post on Instagram and started listening almost every day. You guys make me tear up and get emotional every time, so I can only listen in private. Oh, I love you already. (laughs) This is a long and possibly triggering story. Last January, I was at a work Christmas party without my boyfriend. He was hungover from the night before and didn't want to stay out again. I figured I'd be fine because I was with people I knew. I ended up blacking out and was sexually assaulted by a coworker. I told my boyfriend three days later, and he was angry. His knee-jerk reaction was to ask why I didn't call him or tell him sooner. I don't think he was blaming me, because his anger was soon directed to the man who had hurt me. We have had many conversations about the topic over the next month. I've been to therapy on and off for this and other issues. I have depression and anxiety. But I felt fine for the most part. I didn't blame the guy. I mostly didn't blame myself. I didn't press charges out of fear that my name would be dragged through the mud, as is the case for so many sexual assault victims. My therapist was worried because I didn't react the way that most victims do. I didn't really see any changes in myself until I left to study for a semester in another country. I no longer have an extremely taxing job on top of my schoolwork, and I'm left with a lot of free time to think. I realized how big of an impact this has had on me. Sometimes I feel like I've placed a brick wall between myself and anyone who might want to get close to me. I hate being touched by anyone except my mom. I now won't go out and party or get drunk with my friends. I spend two weeks, or I spent two weeks while my boyfriend was gone, just working and sleeping. I couldn't handle the stress of being around other people in a social setting. I also recognize myself taking my anxieties out on my boyfriend by making him feel like he's not doing enough to support me emotionally, which creates a rift in the close bond we shared before this happened. I know I need to go back to therapy, but I have such a hard time being vulnerable in front of strangers. I can barely handle crying in front of people I trust. Mm. Until I am able to go back, is there anything I can do to lessen the gap I'm creating in all of my meaningful relationships? I don't want this to define me, but at the moment, I feel like that's what's happening. I don't want to end up hurting the people I love because I'm hurting so deeply and only just realizing it. Thank you for your help, EL. EL, I love this message so much. I love you too. And I just want to say right off the bat that we are so sorry that this happened to you. Absolutely. Um, I love this message because of the the voice that you wrote it in. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't like what happened to you, but um, I also just love what you bring up in it. You bring up, I think I'd like to talk a little about rape culture. Yeah. I'd like to talk about vulnerability and um, how that is a muscle, 
you know? And But first I want to start by responding to one of your most recent sentences, which was, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt the people I love by being this way. Yep. And I just want to say off the bat that you um, that you're not going to hurt them. That th- that's not something that you need to. You are not a burden. Mm-hmm. You are not a broken thing for them to hurt. You know, hurt themselves on. You are not yeah. a sharp edge that they will rub themselves on. Like you are just um, as whole and soft and lovable and worthy as they are, as the pedestal you put them on. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to instantly clear your mind of. Your loved ones love you yep. and they want to be there for you. Yep. And if they cannot be there for you at this time, then they are not whole themselves at this time. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I'm going to go on a little rant about rape culture first. Let's do it. Because um, <laughs> it's, it, but it's a little contradictory to what you said. So let me, I'll just say this. So you said at first you didn't have a lot of a reaction, a lot of a big reaction to what happened um, and that your therapist was surprised by that. Mm -hmm. And I want to say um, I am upset at your therapist for saying that. Mm -hmm. And I'll explain that in a second. But I also want to acknowledge that you say that it has become a bigger deal. You're less distracted by work. So now you're seeing the impact on your body. So and your body and yourself and your relationships and your mental health. So I want to acknowledge the impact that it's having now, but I, I first want to talk about when it when you, it didn't have an impact on you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that something that rape culture does is that it, it doesn't just victimize or, or blame the victims or um, slut shame or uphold purity in a weird way. It also forces sexual assault and abuse victims to victimize themselves Mm. like we don't expect women to just get through this Mm -hmm. we expect them to crumble to um to hurt to be totally shattered by sexual assault and don't get me wrong it is a terrible thing to experience right um so it's it's this weird tightrope walk of you know acknowledging what what a what a terrible any type of sexual violence is um and also like creating a narrative for society and culture to be able to say um this was awful he he that your perpetrator was awful whoever they were um but you are strong and you can get through this without further victimizing them does Mm -hmm. that make sense um i think the narrative right now is he didn't just, or or she didn't just, or they didn't just, because sexual assault can be perpetrated by anyone. Um, but your perpetrator didn't just violate you; they devalued you. Yep. You should be crushed. This should be. This should change your whole relationship to to yourself in the world. Yep. That's what the narrative is out there right now about sexual assault. Yep. And don't get me wrong, that happens sometimes with great validity, right? Yep. But there's no. But one, that's not true. You're not devalued. Yep. You're not broken. The person who did this to you is broken. And you didn't lose any purity or worth or anything. And and the narrative somehow culturally has to shift away from further victimization. You know what I mean? Yep. And so I, I say all of that to say to you that um, however you responded right away is okay. Yep. Just because you could get through it with a little emotional response is okay. Even if you're going through it now, even if your impact is now, 
uh, is coming out now because maybe back then you were you were compartmentalizing and you were um, taking care of your boyfriend or you were making sure that you told everyone you're okay. Yep. And that's survival. That's okay. Like, yep. obviously, we want you to prioritize you, but I'm kind of disappointed at your mental health advocate for even saying that because it 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 makes it as though there's a right or a wrong way to deal with rape, and there's not. Yep. The only right way is to not perpetrate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my rant for this episode. Great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the one note that I wrote down as I was thinking about this is that it's it's absolutely okay for you to just be realizing how much this is affecting you now. Right. Right. There's no time limit on trauma. There's no time limit on our mental health and how the right. things in our past affect us. Right. The fact that you are things have slowed down, you're in a different place, like that means that there are there's space for you to understand the way that this trauma um is affecting you. And it's okay for you to have um moved in through the world as I'm fine, I'm fine for the past year or whatever it's been. And to now just be like, oh, just kidding, I'm not fine. Right. And you have the right to work through that and to to handle that in the way that best fits what you're going through right now. Right. So don't 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 take on the expectations of friends or family who are or or don't feel bad about the fact that your story has now changed. Your story of your own recovery from yeah. this trauma right. is changing. You are the one that gets to decide that story. No one else. And people will come along with you in that story. Right. Um, your narrative, your understanding of yourself is always evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think, I don't know if you're with this boyfriend still, but I'm obviously, and I don't blame you if you are, everybody makes mistakes and grows and et cetera. But I'm super disappointed in his response. Um also because it it shifts that understanding, right? Then instantly yep. it goes into, well, let me reassure him as to how blacked out I was or whatever. Like in that moment, it should just be like, what the fuck? What's wrong with the your coworker, you know, who did yep. this? Um, but I also just want to say that I wonder if some of your vulnerability now is compounded your issues with vulnerability is compounded with the fact that your boyfriend you know like kind of turned on the guilt a little mm-hmm. when this first came out yep. um and so then it's like it's like you don't want to open yourself up to anyone not only because you um, were violated by someone who you thought you were safe with yep. but also your safe space of a partner instantly turned it around on you absolutely you know what i mean so that's like a compounded trauma to me and i think that would only add to the idea of like oh i need to keep everyone away Mm -hmm. because if anyone comes close they could either betray me or i could hurt my boyfriend farther does that make sense Mm -hmm. maybe i'm blowing that out of proportion but no i think it's i think um the way that people react to us telling them about our trauma can many ways re-traumatize us yes oh my god so real um and i so fucking real and i um don't want to villainize your boyfriend because i think it's probably difficult to have your loved one tell you that they've been raped i agree with that and his reaction was far from perfect but again none of us are Are perfect. perfect um but i think that that is something that probably is 
sticking with you and your understanding, especially because the line where you talk about how you know you should go back to therapy, but you don't like to be vulnerable with people that you don't know. I think that part of that is because you have told people about this trauma and they've reacted poorly to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, but you are not responsible for the way that other people react to your telling your Mm -hmm. story, right? It is not, um, it is not on you to make people feel comfortable with it. It is not on you to, um, to make sure that they react in the way that they should react. Um, The only thing that you need to be concerned about is, is telling the story and using the tools and resources available to you to work through it so that you can move through the world as a happy, healthy, and whole person, mm-hmm. which you already are. You are you are healthy and whole right now. Right, whether you feel like it or not. Absolutely. And so, um, and so I think we talk about this all the time, but like therapy is Yeah, and hard. we understand sometimes it's hard to get there, but... It, this this is of the utmost priority to us. Absolutely, and I know I know how difficult it is, like calling the therapist for the first time and telling them for the first time the shit that's like going through your yeah, head. Yeah, because they always ask. Is the scariest part of it. Yeah. Right. Because and then once it's out, then you can talk about the ways that you can actually heal from it. Right. What are the ways in which you can think about things differently, or change your behavior, or you know talk about this to friends and family in a way that feels good for you. Right. But that it's you're absolutely right that the first the, that being vulnerable part is is the hardest and scariest right. thing. And vulnerability is not only a choice, it's a muscle. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, like a more lighthearted tangent about that. But, you know, seven years ago or, or around then, I found myself not uh being vulnerable enough, opening myself up to new people Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, whether it would be work or or partnerships or whatever. I just found myself not investing in people or or more importantly, letting them know truly who I was. Mm -hmm. Right. And at one point, I remember thinking to myself, Sierra, if you want friends, you have to tell them about yourself. Like it has to be a choice. You have to. And I felt and it sounds so silly, but I wanted friends I wanted to open myself up to new people and um it had to be a choice it had to be a direct action like that so I was like okay I'm gonna today I'm gonna tell so-and-so about my sisters or something like that you know and it was awkward and weird but it was a choice I made and Mm -hmm. and it was a choice that was followed by uncomfortable actions that got more and more comfortable as I opened them up so this is all to say your vulnerability is a muscle that you can grow and strengthen yep Absolutely. Um, the one thing that I just want to say before we wrap up is just that I want you to know that you don't have to live like this. Yes. You don't have to feel this way. There are um, opportunities. There are resources for you to take the step to move out of what you're experiencing into where you want to be. Yes. Whatever that looks like for you. But I know that in these moments of um, of anxiety, of depression, of sort of wading through the muckiness of trauma, it can often feel like that is our, our forever now. Right. And that that is what we deserve. That is the only thing that we are capable of achieving. And I want to tell you right now, that's absolutely not true. You don't have to 
feel this way. Um, and you you have the people, you have the skills, you have the resources that you need to create a feeling and a future for yourself um, and work towards that. I totally agree. We love you. We love you. We hope this brings you some comfort. Thank you so much for writing and trusting us. Yes. Thank you. All right. That wraps up episode 24. Every episode, we will shout out something that we want to send home to you. This is the blind date segment of the episode. This week, we want to set you up with the... It's a show called <laughs> Nathan For You. Nathan For You? Yes. Um, so the show is... The premise is that he like helps small businesses get grow by like doing really stupid things like how stupid like what like like, stupid in what context so like he basically like plies them with really bad ideas that like somehow also work out because it's charming sometimes it's charming sometimes it's like we're laughing at the person's expense more than we're laughing with them so like take it with a grain of salt but i wanted to pitch the last episode of season four okay which is a strong departure from what he was doing previously (laughs) uh but it is about him helping this older man um, finds the love of his life that he hasn't spoken to in the last 60 years. Oh, my God. Um, and it's it's funny because it's still quirky where he's, like, making the man do weird things, like pretend to be someone that went to her high school and go to her high school reunion to, oh like, get God. intel on her. Like, super funny stuff. Yeah. But also just, like, incredibly heartwarming. And he, um, and Nathan, I'm forgetting his last name, Yeah. but is able to ask questions that appear stupid but are actually really getting at the heart of the matter um in a way that like i was like what what is this weird episode um and why does it exist so i don't know the name of the episode but it's the season finale of season four of nathan for you um you can watch the other stuff if you want it's not that great but the last episode of season four was just on brand fantastic (laughs) awesome sounds good So thanks for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can also slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit all questions about matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, where you can also find some merchandise. Uh, Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. And if you are so inclined and want an additional episode every week, feel free to donate at our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. For $5 a month, you you get get an extra episode every week. Amazing. Uh, This helps us keep the lights on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers to give them relationship advice. Original music recording, editing, and producing by our friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, if someone hurt you, that hurt is not yours. It's the person who did did this to you that is broken, not you. You are not responsible for another person's unhappiness or for their journey becoming more whole. You are a valuable human being, no matter who tried to devalue you. And tomorrow, I hope you wake up feeling powerful, no matter how many things tried to take that power from you. And remember, if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>